Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Andrew Merrick. Uh, this is Andy's Picks Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to dive into my transition to college, um, as well as tell you about the first time I did psychedelics, uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Um, I'm also launching a new segment soon where I'll go over the top news stories uh, because I've always been a little bit interested in politics and all that dumb stuff. Um, and I believe if you do not have an opinion, then you do not matter. So that's why I want to talk about the issues that matter to me. Not of ill intent for sharing my opinion, but focusing on the things that matter to me. Um, because that's what this is all about. Another thing I'm going to do is I'm sharing a, the results from a personality test that I took, which uh, kind of breaks down five big traits, uh, personality traits, and then kind of ranks you in a percentile for those. So I'll be breaking down um, kind of what I got out of that because um, I did get something out of that. Uh, this whole uh, Andy's Picks podcast thing, it's pretty much just a personal project where I'm taking risks and sharing pieces of myself that are actually interesting. So with that comes some things that people don't like. And to that, I say, so be it. And if you're one of those people, why don't you take a big step back and literally fuck your own face i'm sorry that's my favorite quote from tropic thunder um you know last night i watched inglorious bastards uh for the first time in a while and that it's quite quite the film um yeah i'll leave <laughs> i'll leave it at that quite the film um now something i realized in the short time doing this is uh, the true power of a story. Um, a story can be very powerful because, you know, it can convey a message. It can give inspiration. It could provide comfort. It could, and it might lie something that someone's been looking for somewhere. Uh, in this day and age, we've been limited to our social interactions and growth going through the internet and through our phones. Um, and so I've decided to pursue self-growth rather than contempt for the world around me, rather than uh, be okay with what the world's given me. I'd rather go make it myself because it's a lot more fun. Um, but holy fuck, dude, I got some whack shit for y'all today. Last episode, I was sort of rambling my thoughts because I had yet to establish any notion of belief or kind of lacked a familiarity with my own personal voice. But after a year of writing, uh, I'm definitely more of a man than I've ever been before and it's not even close at all oh my I've changed a lot and my belief is that in order to get there I had to go through some flames and get burned a few times but the only way to know that something's right for you is first I identify what's wrong uh, so off to my journal what I did on a cool July morning bright and early at 12:34 a.m. I said this is July 12th 2021 I said I personally am not angry I gave myself all the attention that I needed over the last four years quote at the end of the day I was just a kid I can only blame myself for so much end quote I didn't have the family interactions growing up as I only remember the last four to five years with any sort of clarity but as of July 12th 2021 everything is just better p.s. serotonin burst thoughts what the fuck does that mean so yeah, I don't know what I was on doing this. Um, 
uh, like, I don't know where I was in my life. The last journal entry I wrote was like back in May. And then I, uh, took out, I just, I guess, tried to enjoy summer and sorted all the stuff out with graduation and where I was going to college and all that. Um, but I mean, I'm surprised by how narcissistic and nihilistic I was at this time. But at the same time, I, I think I realized that my mental and emotional state needed, uh, work and so I decided to work on that but uh there's a little bit more to that went along with that as, as I said before like that was when I was cutting weight and not eating enough and um I had some tr uh issues with the relationship with my dad uh he was in the process of, I think moving to Florida at that time and um my mom's getting remarried so I just I was looking back through my snapchat memories to try to figure out like what I was doing uh, and I realized that it was just after I did psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, so that's kind of where the serotonin burst thoughts came from. And then the shift in perspective of saying, like, everything's maybe better. Um, no, so psilocybin mushrooms, also known as magic mushrooms or shrooms, is a fungus that turns into psilocybin upon digestion. The chemical disrupts communication between brain regions, according to one source. They distort the perception of time, space, and self, and even untether the senses. That's science.org. But it targets serotonin, which is a monoamine neuro neurotransmitter. Uh, it's a chemical that nerve cells produce and has a hand in modulating uh, everything from mood to cognition, learning, and memory, as well as numerous uh, physiological effects so serotonin occurs it does occur naturally and we can get boosts from it uh through things like exercising and going outside in the sun and even like some foods like comfort foods uh, that are linked to that part of the brain that triggers something else so it's a it's an interesting thing so some health advocates are pushing for the use of these magic mushrooms in therapy for treating mental health issues uh, local Denver news station, Nine News, wrote, uh, this is a quote, I think we're seeing a psychedelic boom in a renaissance, some people would call it. When you look at research that's coming out of Hopkins, NYU, and UCLA, the results are pretty astounding, said Jennifer Tippett, a licensed clinical psychologist and the director of the substance use disorder specialty at the Graduate School of Professional Psychology at the University of Denver. Tippett's referring to recent studies on various psychedelics, including psilocybin, a compound in, quote, magic mushrooms that have been found to relieve symptoms of anxiety, depression, and addiction. She's just one person in a growing group of therapists nationwide that wants to legally offer psilocybin therapy to their patients. Quite simply, it goes on to say, quite simply, excuse me, she goes on to say, quite simply, because of what we're doing doesn't work. You have to look at the numbers, especially when you talk about substance use. If you look at the literature, the relapse rate or the rate of which people go back to using is really high, even after intensive treatment. And it's just that what we're doing doesn't work anymore, Tippett said. So that was kind of my perspective going in. Uh, I knew I had some issues from anxiety, uh, from panic attacks on occasion. Uh, to the depression that kind of came with that and the lot that comes with that. I was exposed to, like, the idea of seeing shrooms as a potential solution to some of my problems through Joe Rogan and other 
uh, comedians and their stories. I've always been drawn to stand-up comedians uh, because of how well they're able to tell their story. Uh, as Jordan Peterson would say, it's the purest form of literary expression. I admire guys like Jerry Seinfeld because he was always working on his craft. He kept a journal nearby in case he was ever to think of a joke or think of an improvement or think of the exact right way to phrase something. Uh, I knew, like, at this time back in July, I had already started my habit of writing, and I think I made the decision to write about my experiences for the purpose of using it to tell my story, because this is part of my story, and it was a significant event in my life, ultimately, for the better, uh, and it was a lot to handle on just a completely different level. Um, I was aware of the consequences of my actions. Uh, according to a personality assessment from Dr. Jordan Peterson, I'm particularly high in the trait of conscientiousness, uh, which is a measure of, quote, obligation, attention to detail, hard work, persistence, cleanliness, eff efficiency, and adherence to rules, standards, and processes. Dr. Peterson's... Um, He's part of a group of clinical and research psychologists who are developing and distributing tools to improve the psychological and physical health of interested individuals everywhere. Uh, according to the team page of understandmyself.com, which is the link for the assessment that I took, quote, over the last few years, we have developed the personality assessment process on this site, as well as the self-authoring suite, which helps people confront their past understand and improve themselves in the present and increase the chances that their future will be meaningful, productive, and healthy. It goes on to say, quote, we believe that everyone's lives would be improved first by better understanding of the structure of personality so that the similarities and differences between people are rendered more comprehensible and second by more precise knowledge of their own unique personality configuration and personality of those close to them. It's much easier to live, work, and play with somebody when you truly understand who they are. So here's my breakdown. Yay. Um, I'm moderately low in agreeableness. Uh, I'm in the 29th percentile. The mean for agreeableness is for the general population is 61.5, but the uh, average amongst men is 38.5. Um, so even then, I'm a little bit stubborn from the male perspective, you could say. But a little stubbornness can be a it could be a great thing. A lot of people, low in agreeableness, might not be particularly forgiving, accepting, flexible, gentle, or patient. Nor do they often feel pity for those who are excluded, punished, or defeated. They are not easily taken advantage of by manipulative, disagreeable, or otherwise troublesome people. It's their skepticism that plays a primary role as a protective agent because this can interfere with their ability to cooperate with or trust others whose intentions are genuinely good. The report goes on to say they tend to be good at bargaining for themselves or at negotiating for more recognition or power. Uh, they're likely to have higher salaries and earn more money in consequence. They are therefore less likely to suffer from resentment or to harbor invisible anger, although this tendency may be increased if they are very high in neuroticism. Uh, quote, neuroticism is the trait disposition to experience negative 
effect, including anger, anxiety, self-consciousness, irritability, emotional instability, and depression. That's from the official journal of World Psychiatric Association, that definition of neuroticism. The trait disposition to experience negative effect, including anger, anxiety, self-consciousness, and more. That's neuroticism. That comes up a couple times in the report. That's why I threw that in there. But back to the breakdown. I'm moderately high in compassion, 66 percentile. Quote, moderately compassionate people are interested in the problems of other people and other living things. They are concerned about helping other people avoid negative emotion. They make time and do kind things for others, even when doing so may interfere with fulfilling their own needs and interests. They have a noticeably soft side. Other people consider them sympathetic and nice. However, because they are often so other-oriented, they may not get what they deserve for efforts or hard work, per se. Luckily, I have the stubbornness to offset some of that. Anyways, yeah. Fuck compassion. Anyways, (laughs) the next trait is politeness. And in a room of 99 other people, 92 of them would be more polite than I. Uh, for I am in the seventh percentile. Yay. Um, quote, people who are very low in politeness are not at all differential to authority, nor are they obedient. They can be respectful grudgingly, but only to people who clearly deserve and demand it. And they are very markedly willing to push back when challenged. They are not uncomfortable confronting other people. In fact, they may enjoy it. People very low in politeness are not motivated to enjoy it to avoid conflict, or to steer clear of conflict or fights. They may find themselves frequently in trouble with authority in consequence. Their skepticism can make it very difficult for them to find a place in the middle middle or lower hierarchies of power and dominance. Um, Yeah. Politeness. What do you need that for? Jeez. Nah, I'm nice. I got that... Midwest nice. I I know my niceties, but try to fuck with me, I'll fuck. I'll Anyways, I said before, I'm particularly high in the trait of conscientiousness in the 85th percentile. Quote, people high in consci- conscientiousness are dutiful. They slog away until the work is done. Conscientious people implement their plans and establish and maintain order. They're likely to procrastinate. If a highly, oh, excuse me, they're unlikely to procrastinate. If a highly conscientious person promises to do anything, he or she probably will do it, even in troubled circumstances, without excuses. They are decisive, neat, organized, future-oriented, reliable, and not easily distracted. Uh, Now, conscientiousness has two aspects, industrial, industriousness, and orderliness. Uh, regarding the former, uh, I'm in the 91st percentile of industriousness. Quote, very industrious people are typically successful in school and in administrative and managerial positions, particularly if they are intelligent. They live primarily to work and always have to be doing something useful. They do not like to sit around. They are very dutiful. They do not put things off or mess things up. They finish what they start and they do it on a schedule. They're always considering how to accomplish more and less time with fewer resources. They have remarkable focus. A negative aspect of industriousness is their high likelihood to judge people who are incompetent 
harshly and want them out of the way. Uh, they're very likely to believe that people will fail because they don't apply themselves or work hard enough. They feel guilty rapidly if they do not do their own duty. However, because they are typically uh, stay on or ahead, they typically stay on or are ahead of schedule uh, and accept the responsibility. They rarely experience actual guilt. They also cope badly with enforced leisure or unemployment. Is that yeah? If that, I feel like this just. I don't care what y'all think. This is just interesting to me. <laughs> this is just kind of fun. So, with order, order, orderliness, I'm in the 66th percentile, making me moderately high in that trait. Uh, quote, moderate, moderately orderly people are more disgust-sensitive than average, uh, somewhat judgmental, and have a tendency towards more authoritarian political attitude moderately orderly people can be somewhat disturbed even disgusted by a mess or chaos they would rather keep everything tidy and organized they think in comparatively black and white terms things are basically good or they're basically bad acceptable or unacceptable with less room for gray areas quote they're somewhat detail oriented but tend not to be obsessive they're generally aware of social rules and tend to abide to them they like routine and prefer the predictable. They are good at ensuring that complex, sensitive processes are managed properly and carefully. Orderliness can constrain creativity, however, as creative endeavors often require mess, disruption, and intervening periods of chaos. Some moderately orderly people who are high in openness to experience may have some trouble letting go enough to indulge in their creativity. Report goes on to say, quote, women are more orderly than men. The mean percentile for women in a general population is 54.5. For men, it's 45.5. This may account for some of the trouble in relation to housework between women and men. Since women are, on average, more orderly, household disorder will trigger disgust and discomfort in them faster. This may happen with sufficient frequency so that they end up doing a disproportionate share of such work even if, even though if they waited a bit longer for their less orderly partner, often men might end up equally troubled and motivated to fix the problem. So there's some knowledge. Yeah. Uh, the next trait's extroversion, which I am in the 86%. I actually got a couple more traits uh, for y'all. So I was in the 86th percentile of extroversion. Uh, with enthusiasm, I'm typical or average. I'm in the 53rd percentile. Um, with assertiveness, I'm very high. In the 95th percentile, quote, very assertive people take charge or take charge types. They put their own opinions forward uncommonly strongly and tend to dominate and control social situations. Very assertive people can be strikingly influential and captivating. They have the communication style that's often associated with le leadership. This can be good when they are knowledgeable, competent, and able, but not so good when they aren't. <laughs> Assertive people are people of action. They don't wait for others to lead the way, but leap in heedlessly. They can be impulsive in consequence and can act without thinking. Uh, and then neuroticism uh, which is a trade on here. I'm low in neuroticism in the 18th percentile. Um, 
as I said before, neuroticism is a measure of general sensitivity to negative emotions such as pain, sadness, irritability, or defensive anger, fear, and anxiety. Um, people with low levels of neuroticism rarely focus on the negative elements, anxieties, and uncertainties of the past, present, and future. It's rare for them to face periods of time where they are unhappy, anxious, and irritable, unless facing a serious, sustained problem. Even under the latter conditions, they cope well. They don't worry too much, and they recover quickly when stressed. They're good at keeping their head in a storm, and they seldom make mountains out of molehills. Um, quote, they tend to have a much higher levels of self-esteem, particularly when they're also above average or they're average or above average in extroversion. They are at low risk for developing anxiety disorders and depression, again, particularly if average or above in extroversion. When good things happen to them, people with low levels of neuroticism can accept it without questioning whether or not they deserved it. They're usually satisfied with their relationships and careers overall. They are tolerant of stress and can accept failures and setbacks as a part of life. Low levels of neuroticism are associated with decreased concern about mental and physical health, much fewer physician and emergency room visits, and reduced absenteeism at work and at school unless accompanied by very low levels of conscientiousness. Um, so yeah, trait neuroticism um, is made up of primarily withdraw and viatility. And so with withdraw, I'm moderately high in that, uh, the 62 percentile, 62nd percentile, excuse me. Um, yeah, quote, Individuals moderately high in withdrawal may feel higher than average levels of anticipatory anxiety. This makes it more challenging for them to approach new, uncertain, unexpected, threatening, or complex situations. They are somewhat more likely to avoid or withdraw in the face of the unknown and unexpected. People moderately high in withdrawal are more likely than average to feel sad, lonesome, disappointed, and grief-stricken. They tend to somewhat higher levels of doubt and worry, become embarrassed, embarrassed a bit more easily, are self-conscious, and may get discouraged more rapidly in the face of threat and punishment. So yeah, with viatility, I'm exceptionally low uh, at the second percentile. So if I was in a room with 99 other people, uh, I'd be less viatile than 97 of them. Individuals exceptionally low in vitality are extraordinarily stable and predictable in their moods. They are virtually never irrit irritable and very rarely experience disappointment, frustration, pain, and loneliness. People find find them extremely easy and calming. They are very infrequently they very infrequently express their frustration, disappointment, and irritability and appear remarkably reasonable when they do. Even on those unusually infrequent occasions where they become stirred up, upset, angry, or irritated, they calm down almost immediately. They are not at all argumentative and almost never lose their composure. Yeah. Um, women are higher in vol volatility than men. The mean percentile uh, for the general for women in the general population is 57.5, whilst for men it's 42.5.
and I'm down here at two. <laughs> two second percentile. Um, so this is an interesting one. It's called open openness to experience. Uh, and I'm exceptionally high in this one. I'm in the 96th percentile. Um, the trait of being high in openness to experience, um, which is the primary dimension of creativity, artistic interest, and intelligence, particularly verbal intelligence, um, is a it's it's a measure of interest in novelty, art, literature, abstract thinking, uh, philosophy, as well as sensitivity to aesthetic emotions and beauty. Um, people with quote exceptionally high levels of openness are to experience uh are excuse me people with exceptionally high levels of openness to experience are almost always characterized by others as extremely smart creative exploratory intelligent and visionary they are extremely interested in learning and are constantly acquiring new abilities and skills they are extremely curious and exploratory they are exceptionally interested in abstract thinking philosophy and the meaning of belief systems and ideologies they live for cultural events such as movies concerts dance recitals plays poetry readings gallery openings and art shows they are very likely to enjoy writing or even to be driven to write they enjoy complex complex abstract ideas and deeply love to confront and solve complex abstract and multi-dimensional problems that sounds like me Um, quote people because people who are exceptionally high in openness to experience are interested in absolutely everything they can find it hard to settle on a single path in life to specialize to a necessary degree and to create an integrated integrated identity this is particularly dangerous if they are above average in neuroticism and or below average in conscientiousness People characterized by the combination of high openness to experience and high neuroticism constantly undermine their own convictions and beliefs by incessant questioning and make themselves lost and anxious. Open, unconscientious people tend to be, quote, underachievers, particularly if they are above average in neuroticism. Some people appear to have the capability to succeed, or, excuse me, such people, have the capability to exceed, can learn quickly, and are creative, but they sell, they seldom implement their ideas. Um, yeah, the last one, excuse me, there's two more. The last two are intellect and openness. Um, openness is one aspect of openness to experience, and intellect is not to be confused with IQ. Uh, rather, um, it's a intellect is a measure of interest in abstract ideas, essentially, whilst IQ is a measure of processing speed, verbal ability and working memory as and problem solving capability. Um, and so that's what you get out of an IQ test. So with intellect, I'm in the 92nd percentile uh, quote people very high in intellect are noticeably or notably interested in ideas and abstract concepts they crave exposure to novel in information even when it is complex they are highly curious and exploratory and actively want to find tackle and solve challenging problems 
they will much more frequently seek out and initiate issue-oriented discussions and are very likely to read, think about, and want to discuss idea-centered books, generally nonfiction. They are markedly articulate and can formulate ideas clearly and quickly, particularly if average or higher in extroversion. They have a broad and wide vocabulary and continually want to learn new things. People very high in intellect will constantly find and generate novel, creative concepts and voluntarily search for and adapt very well to new experience and situations. Uh, quote, people very high in intellect find complex, rapidly changing occupations necessary and will generally excel at them, particularly if they are high in conscientiousness and low in neuroticism. And that is me. Uh, so I'm going to read that again. People are very high in intellect, find complex, rapidly changing occupations necessary and generally, and will generally excel at them. So what I'm doing right now is I'm running a podcast and I'm running a drop shipping business and I'm running a social media marketing agency and um, doing a whole lot of research on the other side for stuff I want to do later, but we'll keep that under wraps for now. The next, the last trait is openness. Uh, I'm very high in openness in the 93rd percentile. Uh, the closest, quote, synonym for openness, rather than openness to experiences, which encompass, encompasses openness and intellect, the closest synonym, synonym for openness is creativity. Very open, creative people love beauty. They require an outlet for their creative ability or they cannot thrive. They need to be surrounded by art or beautiful crafts. They are strikingly sensitive to color and architectural form. They are they they very much like to collect things now and then to the point of obsession. They are very imaginative and love to daydream and reflect on things. They are uncommonly affected by music, often of many genres, and to be musically artistic, musically and, to, and maybe musical or artistic themselves. Both of these are rare in general populations. They can get unusually immersed in a book or movie or in their own thoughts and become oblivious to the outside world. They respond very strongly to beauty, creativity, creativity and art. Goes on to say, well, one thing, I actually, I, I love music. I so I started kind of like the Andy's Picks thing just as a place for me to post music and stuff just because I grew up listening to classic rock and um, kind of like Western country, the the old um, the old songs about going out west and all that stuff, like Gi Giant Cash and uh, those guys, even though Cash is from Memphis, I think, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I started listening to like rap a lot last summer just to culture myself and then I got full on that grind so I just had so much music and so I just had to start dipping it all up and I just got a shit ton of playlists and stuff now but uh, I digress quote very open creative people can be impractical and flighty however particularly if low in conscientiousness um, it can be extremely difficult to transform creativity into money or into career High levels of openness are, furthermore, necessary for entrepreneurial excess and often prove useful at the top of hierarchies, even in very conservative occupations such as banking, accounting, and law, 
which need creative people in leadership positions to provide new vision and direction. So yeah, that's me. Fucking entrepreneur, eh? So I know I said I was going to talk about shrooms today, uh, but unfortunately we're over the half hour mark and I'm not getting paid yet. So because of that, I guess you're just going to have to wait till next week if you want to hear about the, the psilocybin mushroom experience. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, this is kind of fun. Uh, yeah, till next week. Come back next week if you want. I really don't care. So, salute.